The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. Good morning, church. If you are watching with us for the first time and you heard kukuruku, it sound it means um, it's a new dawn. You know, cockroach at dawn. By the grace of God, through His infinite mercy and the leading of the Spirit through our pastor, the God, the God of the God of all creation, has said it is a new dawn. So I say, say to your neighbor, it is a new dawn. Turn to the other person and say, it is a new dawn. And tell them, welcome to service. Shall we pray? Please, can we rise and just pray? This morning, um, we're going to thank God for everything he has done and what he's going to do and what he's doing right now. You know, a lot of uh, miracles during the work. God will do it again during the fasting period. So I we're just going to say, Father, we thank you for what you have done. We're grateful. Thank you for your help. So let's, let's lift our voice and pray. Father, we thank you. We give you praise. We give you honor. We give you adoration. Thank you for what you have done. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you because you have spoken and your word is coming forth. Thank you for the healing. Thank you for miracles. Thank you, Father. We can't thank you enough because you are the God of all creation. Thank you for creating a new thing in our life. In Jesus' name, we are praying. Also, we need to pray for pastor. You know, generally, when there's going to be an attack, they attack the seat of power, both in the physical and in the spiritual. So we're going to say, Father, we build the word of fire around our pastor, and we declare that the counsel of the enemy will not stand over his life in the name of Jesus. The counsel of the enemy will not stand over his family, his wife, his daughter, Tehila, in the name of Jesus. Let's give our voice. Father, we declare, we pray for your son, that Lord, what you have started in him, you are more than enough to complete it, that you build your word of fire around him in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Praise the Lord. Please, you may be seated. Please, let's give a round of applause to our choir, the best choir in the world. I was, I was, sharing, I was sharing the second worship experience that um, these folks are they are marvelous. They are wonderful, you know. During the vigil, you and I can sit down or lie down when we're tired. But these folks are ever standing. And God will bless them, and you'll be the first partaker of the fruit vine in the name of Jesus. If you are visiting us for the first time, this is God's favorite house. And if you are online for the first time as well, this is GFH. My name is Chidi Adile. I am not the pastor of the church. The name of the pastor of the church is Ulufemi Munein. So if you see me stammering and all that, just give me a word of encouragement. Um, but the question you are going to ask is, how did I find myself here? And that's the valid question. In a few minutes, you will find out how I got myself here. This morning, when I was dressing up, I was telling my wife the experience I had during the week. I sat there, Pastor Kuli was, was ministering um, during tribe. And all of a sudden, I just remembered that on Sunday, I'll be the one to be up here. And my heart went, <laughs> you know? and my wife said, don't worry, I'll be praying for you. So if you see her talking, she's praying. Don't think that she's just talking to herself. So um, I'm encouraged that she'll be praying for me this morning. 
the last five weeks has been like a roller coaster for me. And when I mean five weeks, tomorrow we'll make it exactly five weeks that we started fasting. We fasted for three weeks. And we had the daily prayers, we had the preaching, and we had the daily videos. And God did it again on a Sunday. You can see this testimony. Isn't it marvelous? You know, let's give a round of applause to God. And, I mean, towards the end of the fast and the vigil, I told pastor in private, and I said, I wish this vigil didn't stop. Because every day, you know, after the vigil, and I went home, I was only sleeping for about two hours during the day before I go to work, and I sleep a little bit at night. There are just so many revelations, personal, family, and all that. It was just an awesome time, you know. So I, I, I wish it didn't end, but, you know, every, every good thing has to stop for a while. So after the vigil, um, I mean, after the God will do it again, you know, in everything in life, there is main thing and there's a byproduct. You know, when you do manufacturing or you do anything, whatever you are doing, there's the main focus and there's a byproduct. All the work we have done in the last three weeks are spiritual activities. And we are seeing the benefits. You saw all the testimony. But comes with that are some byproducts. And for me and my family and my wife and family is the fact that, you know, we, we usually coast trial period right from the first day. And you lose a lot of weight. You know, lose between 7 to 10 kilograms. That's a lot, 20 pounds. So I made up my mind that whatever it takes, that weight I had lost, I wasn't going to gain it back. So that whatever sacrifice I need to I need to do, I wasn't, going to, I wasn't going to gain that weight back. But back to the day we started fasting. You know, we started fasting on a Monday. I said, tomorrow we'll make it five weeks. Pastors usually say that when the, the, the biggest challenge for anything you're going to do is when you're about to start or when you are landing. And you usually use the example of pilots, that the most difficult period is when you take off and when you land. So the first day of the fast was a really big challenge for me. And was, I mean, I had, to, I had to pay a big sacrifice, and I'll explain it to you. My favorite food, my favorite continental dish, continental dish, not local, is Chinese. The Chinese food with all the prawns and the shrimps and all that. I love it. If I go to anywhere, I always find where's the best Chinese restaurant in that city. So on a Monday, the first day of our fast, by the grace of God, I was taking additional responsibility at work, and I was taking over from somebody who was living in the country, a North American. And he was supposed to leave like four weeks. Maybe he should be leaving around this time. But for some reason, he had to leave that week that we started fast. So on Monday, when I got to work, I realized that the four of us who are the leader in the department, we need to take the guy out to lunch. And that was my first day of fasting. So it would be irresponsible to tell them that I wasn't coming. And it would be absolutely unacceptable for me to go and eat. So I followed them to the lunch. And when I got there, I asked the restaurant, Fantastic restaurant, one of the best in Lagos. I said, do they have squeezed fresh juice? Yeah, they said they do. I said, fantastic. So when it was time to order, I told my folks, I said, I'm not eating. And they thought I was joking. I said, I wasn't going to eat. They said, no. So why? I said, when I left home this morning, I decided that I was not going to eat. That was the decision I made. And I saw I'm not eating. Now, I, was, I didn't want to tell anyone that I was fasting. Under no circumstances, I tell anybody I was fasting. Even at home, when I want to do private fast, sometimes I don't tell my wife. And then she, she said, are you fasting? I said, okay, don't worry. Eh? So for me, I don't like telling people I'm fasting. So when we started the lunch, and now there were just four of us on the round table. These guys were slicing the prawns, and it was fresh. I mean, this big fat prawns. And I said to God in my heart, you see my sacrifice, Lord. <laughs> you will bless my sacrifice. 
it was, it was, I don't know how to describe it. It was a big punishment. So I was taking my juice and the way, and some of those Chinese food comes in sizzling hot pots, right? So it comes in the aroma and all that. I said, Father, you will bless my sacrifice. Then to make it worse, the guy that we're sending off said, oh, Jide, man, you have a strong will. You know, it's commendable. So I said in my heart, I said, God, you see, you need to bless the heart. So I scaled the huddle and I didn't eat anything and I thank God for this grace. So that's taking off and flying. So landing was trying to make sure that I didn't gain the weight back. So the Sunday after I got with it again, I ate a little. Well, I ate for like two or three. In the past, we just eat from 2 to 10 p.m. because we haven't eaten for three weeks. But that night, we decided that we had a few visitors. My brother-in-law was around. My wife's cousin was around. So we, I ate at 6 o'clock, just a little at the time. When it was six, I said I wasn't going to eat and I wasn't going to drink as well. Because when you drink what, a lot of fluid, your body retains the fluids, right? So at six o- seven o'clock, my wife and I, we went for a walk and she went back home earlier and I stayed back. I, stayed, I spent two hours exercising. Then the following day, I woke up at 4 a.m. And that was the intensive sacrifice I was willing to make to make sure that I didn't get any weight back. So I woke up at 4 a.m. And did my personal time till about 4.45 and I went on the street to run, to walk. So, you know, run and walk and Come back, I came back to the house and went to work. Now, at work, I don't, I don't eat breakfast. And at work, I had at lunch usually, usually like a, you're feasting, three-course meal, but I only had the main meal and a little. And I went exercising at work at lunch time. Then got back home, at, and I made up my mind that if I don't get home before seven, before six, I wasn't going to eat. I never, I mean, I don't get home before seven o'clock or eight o'clock. So throughout the week, I was exercising for like two and a half hours, and I wasn't eating. So now, I was making a big, huge sacrifice because my wife had cooked a lot of meals in the fridge. In fact, one day, I opened the fridge and I said, is this not suffering? That look at this food and I can't eat it. But I was, I was paying, a, I mean, I was making a sacrifice to ensure that I don't gain back the weight I lost during God do it again. So that week, on a Sunday, last week Sunday, I was in a church. Pastor sent me to one of our branches to go do something. And I went. And when I, on my way back, so I went to his office. I didn't get back until like 2 o'clock. I, ordinarily, I should have gone home, but it doesn't make sense. Somebody sent you, I mean, spiritual father sent you, you have to go. So I went to his office and gave him the feedback. And I said, Pastor, I'm tired. I need to go because I've had intensive workout. And he said, okay, it's quick for you to go. Good. So that you can go start preparing for Sunday. And I'm like, okay, I didn't say anything. A minute later, I asked him. I said, do you mean it? He didn't say anything. He just gave me two sentences and guidance. So I left the office and I forgot my phone because my heart started pounding. That was last week, Sunday. So when I got back home, because I, had, I wanted to continue my intense workout of waking up early and running and all that, but I couldn't. But instead, I was still waking up early. But what I was doing was spending the time to pray. And, of course, fasting had to start again. You know, that's, that's, that's the sacrifice. That's the third sacrifice. Now, the Bible says that woe unto he that said the Lord said it, the Lord did not say. By the absolute grace of God, on one of those days, I was praying in the morning, and an image came to my, to my heart. And the image is about what do we as a Christian, what are the cardinal points? And it was, it was, it was ministering to me that the cardinal points and the cardinal life of a Christian is supported by three virtues, which is our faith, the Lord Jesus Christ died for us, we know that, and we believe him, and we are followers of Christ. That's one pillar. The second thing is that because of that, there are things that we can do and we cannot do, and there are things that Holy Spirit will minister to us, and we need to be obedient. And 
in that, in that principle of obedience, there are sacrifices that we will have to make. So the, the three cardinal points that came up to my mind are, I mean, is this. And you know what? I went on Google and I googled the three words together. I only found one person that has written a book about it. And the guy's book even says you cannot download it electronically, that you have to order it physically. So I didn't get to read the book. Now, prior to this time, when Pastor ministered a week before God was doing it again, he was talking about attracting fire and he was talking about um, Elijah calling down fire and all that and using water as sacrifice. So because of that, I decided, okay, I'm going to study what's a sacrifice. But I didn't done 5% of that study up until last Sunday. And also, I was studying about time, you know, time, just doing some study and principle of exchange. So, for those of us that are not mathematicians, the image they put up is, I mean, it's what they call subset. You know, you look at three circles and what is inside is, is, is what we call Christianity. But if you move away from that, please show the next one. If you go to the next one, that will be easy for us. As Christians, these are the three pillars that, that, um, that, that support, our, support our life, our faith, our, our obedience in that faith, and the sacrifices that we have to make. You know, we have to make sacrifices. There's no doubt about it. If you go through the Bible, right from the beginning to when the Lord Jesus Christ came, there's been all kinds of sacrifices that people make unto God, unto serving human beings, and to other people. So it's a life, a Christian life is a life that is full of sacrifice. If you take, for example, um, Genesis 3.21, that would be the first um, uh, Bible verse we're going to read. When man fell in the Garden of Eden, and God, you know, the Bible says the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife to, to cover the shame of man. God, I believe, I mean, it wasn't written there that God had to sacrifice those animals, took their skin to cover the shame of man. For me, that's the first sacrifice in the Bible. Well, historical, I mean, historians and theologians will say Cain and Abel were the first sacrifice. But generally, when I read through it, I just feel that that's the first that's, that was the first sacrifice. And then you can go on and on and on. Cain and Abel sacrifice. Even Abraham, you know, who we believe, we say Abraham's blessings are ours, right? We say that all the time. If you look at Abraham, his life is full of those three cardinal points. He was faithful, he was obedient, and he made a lot of sacrifice. But the Bible says because of his obedience, it was counted as righteous, righteousness for him. That's what the Bible says. And you realize that he was extremely faithful. I mean, he believed in God. He had faith. And he had faith that we call faith, evidence of things not seen and hope of things, you know, the things hoped for. So if you look at that, and if you go along, you get to Abraham, Shadrach, and Abednego. They, they sacrificed their life to God because they were willing to die instead of following other God. So also is Daniel. And so also our friend, our great friend, Jacob, you know, who, because of, of, of Rachel, served 14 years. You know what it means? For you to give your, but that's love. You know, if you really love somebody, you will sacrifice your, your, your life for them. Hebrew 11.4. The Bible says, By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was treacherous, God testifying of his gift, and through it, he being dead, still speaks. So, we saw that the first time God sacrificed animals to cover the shame of man, out of love, really, indeed. And now we can see here that Abel sacrificed out of faith. That's what the Bible says, that Abel sacrificed out of faith. Genesis um, 29, 20. Next, next, next scripture. So Jacob worked for seven years to pay for Rachel, but his love for her was so strong that it seems to him 
but a few days. You know, a man spent 14 years, and but it was like, in the first seven years, it was like a few days. That is out of love. Therefore, it suffice to say that sacrifice or sacrifices are driven by faith and love. Because the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave only his only begotten son. So God sacrificed his son for you and I out of love. So, it's, so we can say that sacrifices or sacrifice is driven by faith and love. Please, can you put that up? So faith and love drive sacrifice. Now, um, if you look at, if, if you go, if you read the Bible, Paul was talking in Romans, and he, from Romans chapter 1 to chapter 11, he was saying that um, all the things God had done for us and all that, he was on and on. And then he got to chapter 12. Please bring it up, Romans chapter 12. Then he got to chapter 12, and he said, So, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind, or the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Now, living and holy, let's keep that in mind. Our body, are yeah, holy, but living practically means that whatever that we do with our life must be sacrificial to God. Now, you might not be a pastor, you might not be a teacher, but you go to work and you make money. That is your living. That part should be, a, should be sacrificial and it should sacrifice it to God. That is what he's saying here, that Jesus has died for us but we need to sacrifice to God. Now, he went further. Please put it up. Now, if you go to, if you continue reading, he said, let, verse 2, don't copy the behavior and custom of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Now, don't copy the behavior and custom of this world. So what's the behavior and custom of this world that we're being told not to copy in order to make sacrifice? I'll say, please, First John 2. First John 2. Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you don't have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers you a craving for physical pleasure. pleasure. That's what we call the lust of the flesh. And that is food, drink, sex, all kind of thing. The lust of the flesh. A craving for everything we see, the loss of the eyes, materialism, you know, everything that you, in the world. You know, the world teaches that get all you can and can all you can, all, all you get. And that's, 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 um, that's material. And the pride in our achievement, which is the pride of life. You know, what have I done? What have I achieved? It's all about me. It's all about I. It's all about myself. But these are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. So this is, this is the teaching that we have for, that we have um, in, in, um, in God, that how to live a holy, how to live a sacrifice. Now, I, I, I did something, I checked for the biblical meaning, I mean, the, the, the meaning of um, sacrifice in, in the Bible. You know, if you go to the, I mean, in, in the dictionaries, there are two, two, two uh, meanings that I, I'd like to show. And it says, giving up something of value for sake of something else. And another one says, anything consecrated and offered to God. Even the one that you consecrate and you offer to God, it still means that you are giving it up. So, these are dictionaries, you know, uh, meaning of, uh, of sacrifice. So, this morning, what we're going to be talking about is what I call 
the godly sacrifice. You know, godly sacrifice. That's what we're talking about this morning. And we can say that every sacrifice is an obedient act of faith. If you go through the Bible, all those people that sacrificed, you know, their life, their substance, and all that, they did it out of faith. You know, they were obedient. And especially Abraham, you know, that we claim his blessing. He was a man that, you know, he was righteous. He, I mean, he had faith. He was obedient. And he made a lot of sacrifices. God would tell him and say, live here and go somewhere else. You know, without asking questions, he would leave and he would go. That is in all on itself. It's, it's, it's a big sacrifice. So, we're going to quickly, without wasting time, we're going to go through four, four points of where that our sacrifices are going to be acceptable to God and what kind of sacrifices we need to make and how we need to make them. And the first thing we're going to be talking about, we're going to say, the focus of our sacrifice must be God and not men. And what do I mean by that? For every sacrifice that we make, the beneficiary on this surface of earth will be men. There's no doubt. So our sacrifices will be directed to men. But the focus has to be the God. Because we are doing what we are doing because God has asked us to do so. So what I'm saying is that when I say focus, what I'm looking at God, but I'm directing my sacrifices to, to men. I mean, our vision and the strategy for our vision, our vision is to change lives. And our strategy is to bring people to to invite people to church and make sure that they have a godly experience. That's our, that's, our, um, that's our vision and strategy. So while we're doing all that, our focus is on God. We're doing it for God. When we do that, his name will be glorified. So let's look at Luke 23, a Bible passage. Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing and the soldiers gamble for his clothes by throwing dice. Now at this point, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, was being crucified he was on the cross. He was in excruciating pain. But guess what? His focus was still on his assignment, which was to save our lives, to save you and I. He was focused on that. He wasn't focused on these people that were doing all kinds of things. In fact, when I read this place, I, I used to think that, why Jesus just say, I mean, he just say, let fire consume these people. Just show this one, Pepe. Because, I mean, at this excruciating point, these guys were doing all kinds of things. They were dicing and all that. On the, same, on the same Luke 23, let's go to um, verse 40. We know the story. One of the thieves said, um, um, why don't you save yourself and save us if you, are, if you are really the Messiah? But the other criminal protested, don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you'll be with me in paradise. Now, this guy was the first beneficiary of the bloodshed on Calvary. And guess what? Because Christ was still focused on his assignment and God. He wasn't focused on the other guy that was distracting him. Because the guy was a distraction that was saying fear. So, the same thing when, when, when Jesus was fasting and the enemy came to tempt him, he didn't, he, because his focus was kept on God, the sacrifice of his focus was kept on God, he did not, he was, I mean, the temptation, didn't, I mean, it wasn't a big deal for him. He was responding the way he was supposed to have responded. Matthew 25. Then the king will say to those on his right, Jesus Christ was talking here, he was, he was talking about the kingdom of heaven, that the people that will be saying, you are good people, you are going to, I mean, go to the right. Come, you who are blessed, 
who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked, you gave me clothing. I was sick, you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. And then he went ahead to ask, you know, the other part of the, of the Bible says, when did you do all these things for you? And Christ said, and the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the, of the least of these, my brothers sis, and sisters, you were doing it for me. So what Jesus was saying here is that every sacrifice that we make, while it's for the beneficiary of man, the ultimate focus is for God's name to be glorified. So this morning, you and I, we need to focus and direct our sacrifice in every area of our life to, to, to God in anything that we do. Um, Ephesians 6, I'm not going to read the full story, but I was talking about, I said, slaves, serve your masters as if you are serving the Lord. I'm spending a lot of time on this because once we get this right, every other thing that we're going to do, we know that we're sacrificing for God. We're not doing it for man. While men will, will be the beneficiary, the ultimate glory will go to God. Now, the Bible says, we can take it off. We know, we, we, know, we know the scripture. The Bible says that we should feed our enemies. Now, if somebody is your enemy and you want to give him food, if you are really thinking and focus on him or her, are you going to be able to do it? Absolutely not. The only way you're able to do it is to focus on what is my God saying? Who, am I, who is my focus on? Because men, while they will try to appreciate, while they, they, can, they, they might appreciate your, your sacrifice, but they won't understand the level of sacrifice that you are making. So while pain of sacrifice is temporary and measurable, the gain of sacrifice is immeasurable. And I told, I told a few stories during the first, uh, second watch person, and I'll share some of them. You know, there was a woman that came to church here, and the security attire you know, went down, and she went into service. And before she came out, they fixed the tire, changed the extra, went to fix the tire, and brought it back. And she was so elated, and she glorified God. Why those people were serving her, but the name of God was glorified. So that's the way we need to bring our sacrifice to God. Man, and in some cases, man might not appreciate your sacrifice, but you need to keep your focus on God. I, sh- I shared this example during first service, and I'll share it again. When, when, when we got married, immediately we got married, um, my wife, I mean, it was just a roller coaster experience because we got married immediately after she left school. Um, she, she, she went to law school, and by that time, my son was born, and then she went to youth service. And after that, after youth service, immediately she finished youth service, we had to go on, we had to go on expiration assignment. She didn't have a breathing space. So we went on the first assignment. We got back three years. I mean, we were just all over the place in the last 14 years, going around. And six years ago, you know, on our last assignment, um, generally, two of us, we always have the exchange. We always say, that, well, you don't know what I've sacrificed for this family. What has, and I say, Madam, I understand. I appreciate it. I know. But it's a mutual win-win situation. All of us are going to be beneficiary. The kids are going to have good schools and all that. So, yeah, you know, I said, okay, I appreciate it. Thank you. But I show a little appreciation, but, I mean, I, because I understand. But here, my six-year-old at that time, or seven-year-old, my wife was trying to motivate her to study hard. This is somebody who has left her business in Lagos and were living in another country together. And my wife felt that she wasn't putting enough effort in her studies and was trying to motivate her and told her and said, you know what? Your parents, us, and you were living a good life. This good life you see that we live 
is because we had done our own work and we work hard. So if you really want to do well, make sure that you work really hard so that you can. And she said, oh, mom, you really mean that? Yes. My wife said yes. I said, okay, well, I'll tell you something. You don't need to worry about that. This is a seven-year-old. All I need to do is to marry a man like my father who is rich and will provide everything. So why do I need to worry? So here she was saying that you are not making any sacrifice. You are just here with us. My, 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 my dad. So that is the level of understanding. So generally, people around you might be ignorant of your sacrifice. So, but you need to make sure that your sacrifice is focused on God. In, in, praise the Lord. You know, when we pray, today we still do that, when we are complete. When we pray, we, we go around every day. Some, at night, when we pray at night. Somebody will pray today, somebody will pray tomorrow. Somebody will pray, and somebody will lead praise and worship. Somebody pray, somebody will lead. So we rotate this around. Then, when it was, whenever it was my daughter to, to, to pray, that, that time, six, seven years ago, she would say, oh, I pray for dad, and I pray for more. I pray for dad, he goes to work, God bless him, help him at work. I pray for Ine and I, we go to school, give us knowledge and understanding, let us know our, our books. And I pray for my mom as she goes to the mall to shop and she goes to restaurants to eat. Are you keep her and protect her? So she was saying that she couldn't phantom that her mom, who has been a trailing, I mean, a trailing spouse almost her entire life at that, up to that point, was making sacrifice. So generally, people need not to understand your sacrifice. You know? And it used to upset my wife when she... <laughs> When she prays like that, I open my eyes, my wife opens her eyes, and she does. <laughs> and I just laugh. But since we've been back and she sees her mother working, you know, she has grown. So it depends on the <laughs> thank you. So it depends on the knowledge that people have about your sacrifice. And people will never have the full knowledge of your sacrifice. It's gonna be only you. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, on the same vein, I mean this summer, this last summer. I didn't travel with them because for so many reasons, work and all that. And also, I didn't want to be a driver. I mean, I wanted to have peace. You know, when we go like that, I'll end up being a driver. So I said, I wasn't going. But when my daughter asked me, why was that? I mean, the reason I was going, I wanted to drive into our understanding that money is difficult to find. So I said, I didn't have money to, I didn't have money to travel, that I'm not coming. So the day before they left, they were in the kitchen, two of them, and I was in the living room. And she started weeping. And she was telling her mom and saying that here is dad who works so hard and all that, and he couldn't even get to travel. So she seems to understand. She felt I was making the sacrifice by not going. And she said, well, I'm not going to go and all that. And her mom said, well, what are you crying for? I beg, let's go. You know, for her, as long as she goes, and I mean, she, she was okay. But guess what? After four weeks, she wanted to come back. And since that time, she has been behaving like a new bride because she missed me more than she thought <laughs> she was going to. So, Different people will have different understanding, but don't care about what people understand about your sacrifice. It is between you and God. Just like Christ didn't care about the sacrifice he was making for the people. Thank you. Praise the Lord. So I dwell on that point a lot so that because that's the hallmark and the bedrock of our life when we make sacrifices anyway. Don't look at the people, just look at God. Number two things that we're going to talk about is acceptable sacrifice is very costly. You know, if you're going to, any sacrifice you're going to make, it's going to cost you something dearly. It could be your time, your finances, anything. It's, it's, you know, sacrifices are just very costly. It costs you, I mean, if it doesn't cost you something, then it's not a sacrifice. Second Samuel, 
So this is the story of David and God, and I'll read it. That day, God came to David and said to him, Go up and build an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Arodon, the Jebusite. So David went up to do what the Lord had commanded him. When Aaron saw the king and his men coming towards him, he came and bowed before the king with his face to the ground. Why have you come, my lord, the king? Aaron asked. David replied, I have come to buy you treasure, threshing floor and to build an altar to the Lord here so that it will stop the plague. The plague. Take it, my lord, the king. Use it as you wish. Aaron said to David, here are oxen for the burnt offering, and you can use the stretching boards and ox yokes for wood to build a fire on the altar. I will give it all to you, your majesty, and may the Lord your God accept your sacrifice. But the king replied, this is David, to Arnold, No, I insist on buying it, for I will not present burnt offerings to the Lord my God that have, not, have cost me nothing. So David paid him 50 pieces of silver for the threshing floor and the oxen, and David built an altar there to the Lord and sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings, and the Lord answered his prayer for the land, and the plague of Israel was stopped. Here was David saying, I'm going to make a sacrifice to the Lord, but I ain't going to do it for free. You know, this new generation were a lottery generation. I want to give something to God. Ah, that's fine, and I get it for free. It's, for God, it's just for God to get. What is business? How I get it? God has blessed me with it for free, so why should I pay for it? But that's not it. Anything that we do, any sacrifice, before you call it a sacrifice, must cost you something. Look, 18. Here is a guy, you know, they said, once a religious leader asked Jesus this question, good teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Now, you can rephrase that question and say, good teacher, what sacrifice should I make to get eternal life? And Jesus said, why do you call me good? Jesus asked him, only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not commit adultery. You must not murder. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. Honor your father and mother. The man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. When Jesus heard his answer, he said, there's still one thing you haven't done. Sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come, follow me. But when the man heard this, he became very sad, for he was very rich. Now, the man was willing to, sacrifice, to, do, to be obedient and do all the little, little things. But he was at the point of making the, the sacrifice that God wanted him to make. He said no, because that was going to cost him dearly. It was going to cost him a, a lot. But you know, when, when I look at that, then I realize what um, Jim Elliot said when he says, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to get what he cannot lose. You know, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. At that point, the man, I mean, every treasure will go away, definitely. Nobody's taking anything with him or her. But he was unwilling to let it go because he didn't want to pay the price. He didn't want to pay the, 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 the cost. Luke 21. So Jesus was in the temple and he watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. Then a poor widow came by and dropped it in two small coins. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, this poor widow has given more than all the rest of them, for they have given a tiny part of their surplus, for she, poor as she is, has given everything she has. So here's Christ. And you know, the temple those days, if you look at, if you know the temple that someone built and all that, it was lined with gold and all that. Here's somebody 
who was poor, who came to drop two offerings. Now, I want you to quickly look at, I'll give you three ways that, you know, three points based on what that woman did. And that is the way we as human beings, we see things different from the way God sees it. You know, when that woman came in and dropped those two coins, even if it's nowadays, and people know, they will see her as a poor person, a wretched woman who has come to drop two coins. But God sees a rich giver. That's what God saw. God saw her heart and saw that what she had given cost her so much more than those people that dropped a little bit part of what they've given. And the second thing is that that mark of giving everything she had was the mark of love. Just like the way God gave his only begotten son to us, because the Bible says, for God so loved the world, the woman gave her whole, and that's because she had love. And, and the third thing you could see is that the woman had faith. Because when you give everything you have, you believe that, well, you are the God of all creation. The Bible says the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. You know, a thousand cattle on the hills is mine. God will provide. That's what she was saying. So she gave all her all because she had faith and believed that God will provide. So go back to what we said. Sacrifice are driven, sacrifices are driven by love and faith. And that was what that woman did. Today, you know, we call pastor. And if you want to call him full name, you call him pastor. Really, we should be calling him Dr. Munei, Dr. Femi Munei. At the onset of this church, pastor was in the United States in the process of doing his master's and PhD. Maybe he will have discovered the orange of this time because he's a tech guy. You know, we have Apple. Maybe we'll have discovered orange. But, but he let go that sacrifice because God said, come do this one. And, he disco- and God found you and I and found us a place to worship. That's a sacrifice. You know, that's giving up your own ambition for God's ambition. And that's a big sacrifice. Praise the Lord. You know, um, I, when, I, when I was young, I, I went to school for 22 years. The first 22, 20 years, 1975 to 1994, almost 20 years. And I read a lot. I, won't, I mean, I'll be honest, I read a lot. So, Physics, Nelcon, I read it from page one to last page. I don't read based on slabos because when they say you should read based on slabos, something will not be in the slabos, but it's a corresponding reference. So I just take my textbook and I read everything. Lambert, chemistry, I read everything. So when I left school, I didn't have the, the, the zeal to read anymore. I was tired. I thought, ah, book, book has to stop because I was still doing professional exams. But guess what? Pastor insists and encourages strongly for his ministers to read books. So I have no choice. I'm reading and reading now. Now, there's a book I'm reading called um, Managing Your Money. It's by one guy called Rich Timor. And just before God did it again, I got a place in, that, in, 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 that, in, in, in the book. And I saw a quote from Anonymous in the book. Please bring it up. It says, when it comes to giving until it hurts, most people have a very low threshold of pain. You know, so until it begins to hurt you, people don't get to that stage in giving. Now, and that's generally, so the reason people don't give or people don't sacrifice is because of the pain that comes with it. Most of we parents do this. Sometimes I'm so tired. I'll sit downstairs three meters away from the TV and I'll call my daughter from upstairs to come and get me the remote. And she'll come down when she gets down and say, please get me the remote. And she'll say, Dad! Is that what you called me for? Now, she didn't have a choice, but the only reason she wouldn't want to do it is because 
She didn't want to sacrifice that distance of coming down. So for a lot of people, until we sacrifice and it hurt us, we have very little, um, um, what's it called, threshold. And that's not the way it, it is. Last week, Pastor was, two weeks ago, Pastor was talking about the Catholic, you know, giving us that, the, the, the place we used in Kedja was given to us by a Catholic church. And I was talking about them giving. So in the same book I was reading, I got to a guy called Floating Sheen. And apparently that guy happened to be a, a, a Roman um, Catholic bishop in, in the early 20th century. He was born in 1895. And the guy said, when I read, got to that place in the book and I read it, I've not moved for us in that time because I've been thinking about it. The guy said, never measure generosity by what you give, but by what you have left. Wow. That was, that was, I mean, it scared me. It was, I mean, it was a revelation, but it scared me. So meaning that when you are giving, anything you are giving, be it your time, be it your money, be it your finances, don't measure what you have given based on what you have given out. It's based on what you have left. And that's what happened to that woman. She gave her only two coins. Praise the Lord. So, what are the two things that we've, we've, we've learned? The first one is, the focus of our sacrifice should be God. And the second thing is, accepting sacrifice is what? Now, the other thing we need to know is, exceptional sacrifice breaks barrier. You know, exceptional sacrifice. When you make exceptional sacrifice, barriers will be broken. By the grace of God, the Lord Jesus Christ died for us on the cross of Calvary. There's no need under the surface of the earth for the sacrifice of animal, for redemption of man, or redemption of sin, or sacrifice of human beings. I know that people still do that. So this morning we are talking of godly sacrifice, even though we refer to some of the Old Testament just to make a point that people sacrifice what is good for them. I just want to make that point ahead. Matthew 26. Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany. This is verse 6 to 13. The home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. While he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume and poured it over his head. And the disciples were indigent, saying, when they saw this, what a waste, they said. It could have been sold for a high price. That means it's very expensive. And the money could have been given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, replied, why criticize this woman for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. She had poured this perfume on me to prepare my body for burial. So she had poured that oil on Christ as a sacrifice because it could have been sold. I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. And we are talking about the woman today. She broke into the Bible. Not everyone that lived during their time, not everyone that is remembered in the Bible, but because of the sacrifice that she made, that barrier was broken and we are remembering her today. And she made a great sacrifice, which was beneficiary to God, not to man. The people around didn't understand, as we said before, our sacrifice. They didn't have the knowledge. Same way, people will not understand our sacrifices. Second Kings, chapter 3, verse 26 to 27. When the king of Moab saw that, you know, I said earlier on, we don't, this is not these days, but it was that day, but I just want to make a reference. Those days, rather. When the king of Moab saw that he was losing the battle, he led 700 of his swordsmen in a desperate attempt to break through the enemy lines near the king of Edom. But they failed. Then the king of Moab took his oldest son, who would have been the next king, and sacrificed him as a burnt offering on the wall. So there was a great anger against Israel, and the Israelites withdrew and returned to their own lands. 
this guy sacrificed the lineage of his family to break the barrier of that war. Because sacrificing his son means that the heir to the throne, he had to sacrifice the heir to the throne to break the barrier of that war. You know, pastor comes here under the administration of the, of the anointing of the Holy Spirit and he made the pronouncement and they come to pass and he will all go away. Honestly, a lot of sacrifices that have been made in the past. He, he gave an example that when, that would probably be 15 years or more ago, that he was praying for the anointing of the Holy Spirit and that he would wake up in the night and be praying and would be sleeping. Then he would leave his house and go outside and kneel down on gravels. You know, when you kneel down on gravels, you can't sleep because of the pain. Those were sacrifices he was making. So the, those sacrifices are manifesting today because he had paid the price weeks, months, years back. And that is the beneficiary. That's what we are benefiting today. So the question to you and I is, what sacrifice are we willing to make? At this point, I'd like to tell, if there are teenagers here or people in school, the sacrifices that you make today will be your gain tomorrow. The book that you study today will be your gain tomorrow. So we need, I mean, we need to sacrifice for us to have a gain tomorrow. So we need, exceptional sacrifice breaks barrier. Pastor said about three or four weeks ago, first time I was hearing that, he said that there was a time, a period in his life, and I couldn't imagine how, how, how tough that would be because we only do it for three weeks and it's like, a, it's like, you know, he said he was fasting Monday to Sunday. He only breaks after service on Sunday and then he starts fasting on Monday. And he was doing that for God knows how long. Those are exceptional sacrifices and they break barriers. There's no doubt. You know, when you talk about barrier, I have an interesting experience and I'll share it. I shared it in the second worship experience. Um, because when you know where you are going, Pastor knew where he was going when he was making all those sacrifices for the sake of, he was making the sacrifice, focusing on God for the sake of men. When I met my wife, she was about 19, 20 and I was 26. And our eldest brother was my classmate in school. He was my friend. I'm still my friend. I'm a great guy. So, and I prayed, and I was, I, I, I mean, there was conviction from the Spirit, there's no doubt. But the other thing I found out is that I saw a lady, a young lady, that was zealous for God, you know, that was serious about things of God, and that was all that concerned her. And in addition to that, I could see somebody who, if you are not there, she was ready to take charge, that you could trust and know that all is well. And to me, those things were so important. But there were a lot, there were few barriers. The first, biggest barrier was that herself, she wasn't convinced that, wow, I'm too young. This guy, we're only six years apart in age, but it was like a generation gap. I had started working, right? I was working, and by the grace of God, the Bible says nothing is given to a man except it's given to him from the above. So whatever work I was doing, while it was good, it was because God gave it to me. But so there seems to be a big generation gap. And so also, blessed memory, my father-in-law, my, my father-in-law, had a concern that this guy is up and doing, is ready to marry. My daughter is just in year one in the university, so this is probably not going to work. So there are those barriers there. And my brother-in-law, who is my friend, and was my friend, and still my friend, stood in the middle. You know, he was neither for me, or not against me. So he just, he just stood in the middle. A great guy, because he was being smart. He didn't want to offend me, and he didn't want to offend his sister and the dad. So an opportunity for breaking barrier came forth. My wife got an infection, an infection and she was, um, she was in the hospital, in University of Teaching Hospital, Ibadan, UCH. 
And it was a serious infection from school, from fruits or from fruit, some kind of thing. And she was admitted. And I was working for, I was working in Lagos. And just out of sacrifice of love, because I, I mean, she was, she was, she, was, she lost weight. She, it was serious. I would close work at about 5 or 6 o'clock and I will drive to Ibadan. And at 5 a.m., I will come back to Lagos. And I did that for five days in a row. And, and not only did I break our own barrier, I broke the father's barrier and the family's barrier. They were all, was broken. And because, and thank God, I made that choice because today I'm glad that I made that choice. So, so because I know that even when, I, when we are quarreling, I have somebody that is praying for me. And that's, that, that, that's, that's important. So what I'm saying is that exceptional sacrifices breaks barrier. Praise the Lord. So finally, the, the, the fourth thing we're going to look at is opportunistic sacrifice leads to breakthrough. Pastor said last week, after the prophetic, the pragmatic. God has spoken, we need to take action. Now, I call it opportunity to sacrifice because sacrifices, opportunity to sacrifice comes in two ways. It's either it's presented to you, it's given, you, you know, somebody presents you an opportunity to make a sacrifice and you take it, or you see an opportunity to make a sacrifice and you take it. It's not presented to you, but you just see it and you say, oh, I'm going to key into that, and you do it. Those are the only two ways. And Pastor said last week, opportunity are like problems. They don't stay forever. You know, they don't last forever. When we're moving to this land, the people that didn't partake will be wishing out that they partake it. They partake, I mean, they, they, they did partake. So, it doesn't last forever. So, this one that we talk about, opportunity sacrifice, let's read First Kings 17. The Lord said to Elijah, go and live in the village of Sarevat, near the city of Sidon. I've instructed a widow there to feed you. So he went to Zarephath. As he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks. And he asked her, will you please give me a little water in a cup? And she was going to get it. And he called her, bring me a bite of bread too. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. I only have a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the, in the bottom of the jar. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal and then my son and I would die. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you said, but make a little bread for me first. Then use what is left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, there will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grows again. So she did, as Elijah has said. And she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the container, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. Now, this opportunity was presented to the woman and she took it. She could have said, well, no, I'm doing that. I'm going to eat it, and they will have died. So the opportunity to sacrifice and to be blessed, you know, in, 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 to have the breakthrough that they needed, because there was, there was famine and drought in the land. The opportunity was presented to her, and she took it. So in this case, she had the opportunity, but she could, I mean, she could have refused to take it. So you and I, 
when we see opportunity, we need to take it. Now, we're going to read another, another Bible section that where the opportunity wasn't presented, it was available, and somebody grabbed it. Second Kings 4, 8 to 17. One day, Elisha went to the town of Shunem. A wealthy woman lived there, and she urged him to come to her home for a meal. Now, it was the woman that went to meet Elijah, come have a meal. After that, when, whenever he passed that way, he would stop there for something to eat. It became a routine. She said to her husband, I'm sure this man who stops in front of, in, in, who stops in from time to time is a holy man of God. Women are really blessed. Let's build a small room for him on the roof and furnish it with a bed and a table, a chair and a lamp. Then he will have a place to stay whenever he comes by. One day, Elisha returned to the Shunem, to Shunem, and he went to this upper room to rest. He said to his servant, Gehazi, tell the woman from Shunem, I want to speak to her. When she appeared, Elisha said to Gehazi, tell her, we appreciate the kind concern you have shown us. What can we do for you? Can we put in a good word for you to the king or to the commander of the army? No, she replied. My family takes good care of me. Later, Elisha asked Gehazi, what can we do for her? Gehazi replied, she doesn't have a son, and her husband is an old man. Call her back again, Elisha told him. When the woman returned, Elisha said to her as she stood in the doorway, Next year, at this time, you will be holding a son in your arms. No, my Lord, she cried, O man of God, don't deceive me and get my hopes up like that. But sure enough, the woman soon became pregnant, and at that time, the following year, she had a son, just as Elisha had said. Here's the woman she saw an opportunity and she grabbed it. It wasn't given to her. Elisha didn't go to her and say, I want a place to live. You know, but because she took that opportunity, God remembered her. So when we take our opportunity, God will remember us in Jesus' name. So what is the opportunity? Let's read another one before we go. Stepping into Luke chapter 5. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deep and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, We worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if he says so, I will let the nets down. And this time their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. He shouted for help, brought their partners in another boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was, he was struck by the number of fish they had caught and as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the son of Zedebee, were also amazed. He, and from there on, they became fishers of men. So here, they gave up their boats to God before they got what they needed. What they had toiled for all night, that they couldn't get anything, but when they gave up what is in their hand, they got what they needed. If you have been reading the Fresh Fires for the last three days, you know, Pastor was talking about seeds generally, you know, sowing a seed. Seed and bread are different. And sometimes, even this morning, the one of this morning says, you can use your bread as a seed. And that's why for every new level, there's a corresponding sacrifice. For you to move up to a higher level, there's a sacrifice that you have to pay. It's a given. It's a principle, of, it's a principle that has been from the beginning. Please put that up. For every new level, there's a sacrifice that you have to give. John Maxwell says that 
to, for you to go up, you need to give up. You know, for you, to, you need to give up to go up. For you to, to move up, you need to give up something. You need to sacrifice. You need to sacrifice something. There are three defining true sacrificial giving. There are three things that define true sacrificial giving. And we're going to go through that quickly and we'll be closing. It makes no sense in the world sense. When you are giving sacrificially to everybody around you, it will make no sense. To people, it will make no sense. Because when you look at the woman that gave all her two coins, it didn't make sense to everyone around. So when you are actually sacrificially giving anything, your life, your time, your finances, to the world around you, if it's sacrificial, it will make absolute no sense. And the second thing is that the cost to the giver is a great cost. That woman gave all her, all she has, all her coins, just as the Lord God gave all that he has by giving his only begotten son. So the cost to the giver is very, very great. And the last thing is that the giver could have given less. You know, the woman had two coins. She could have given one, but she gave the two. So every time you give and it's not hurting enough or you're giving less, you know, it's not a sacrificial giving. That's what it means. So just, I just quickly three cardinal points. And pastor has always said, the only way to abundance is through sacrificial giving. The only way, thank God, God will heal us. God will promote us. God will give us everything we need. But the only way forward for, for, for abundance is through sacrificial giving. And you cannot get by craving, he said that last week, what can only be obtained by sacrifice. If you like, you can claim it from now to tomorrow. I claim that thing. I claim that. But the only way to get it is through sacrifice. And if it's, if it's finances, the only way is through giving. What is the opportunity that we have right now as a church? Now, if you have only been in this church for two, three weeks, what I'm going to talk about, you might not know about it, and if you are interested, you can meet um, us at the church office. So, otherwise, don't worry about it, because I'm not going to explain it. And if you are a visitor here today, um, this does not concern you. But there's something that we call PTL. That is an opportunistic sacrifice that is facing us as a church. And as individual, what are you willing to do to take that opportunity for your next level and for your breakthrough? That is the opportunity that is presented to us. And I'm going to show a few clips of a few, of a few videos just as a testimony to what has happened in the past and what is still happening. Now, the Bible says that faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. If you look at that Hebrew 4 that we read the other time, when it says that faith, I mean, Abel gave that sacrifice by faith. Right? He gave that sacrifice by faith. And the Bible says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So, we've been hearing the word of God has come forth. Thank God for the land that he has given for us. Let's give him a round of applause for that. God has given us the land. We have possessed it, but we have to pay for it. So, that's an opportunistic sacrifice that is in front of us. So what sacrifice are you making for that? Please, CMM, the first video I'm going to show, don't worry about the video. Don't focus on the video. Just because of the first part, you're not going to be, you're going to be seeing Pastor Kole, but just listen to what is going on in the background. And the reason for that is that it wasn't a recorded video. It was something that came up just last Wednesday during Tribe. That's when it came on. Those people that were in Tribe, you must have seen it. But please listen. Can you bring up the video, please?
actually had to do with my promotion at work. Promotion. Um, a whole lot has actually been happening um, before then. Um, well, I, I know um, the blessing comes with the tithing and all that, so I felt, oh, fine, you know, all my tithings are correct, so I don't know what is going on, and I do my job very well. Um, offered me to be in a service one day, and, you know, pastor has actually been repeating PTL and PTL, but I don't really see myself in it, you know. I was like, I'm not, how much is my salary? I'll start doing PTL, you know. So, um, then he, you know, he emphasized on it. And um, I can remember then that what I actually had in my account was nothing to write home about. When I got home, I became very worried. The Spirit of God was telling me, just give, just give. Then what I did is Monday, I, when I got to work, I just withdrew everything. Gave us my PTL. Then um, the next month... Um, I keyed in into governors of wealth. So I asked God, how much should I give? And he gave me the specific amount. I did that. That same month, my promotion came. You know, it came and everybody was actually surprised because it's the same person that has been, has been on my case that spoke for me. She has actually been the one blocking the whole thing. She was the person that still went forth and fought for me. And that same week, I got promoted. I, I want to give God the praise. Even there was not just promotion, there was addition, you know, financially. And since then, things have really been growing well for me. Praise the Lord. A round of applause to God. Did you see how she concluded? I mean, it was during tribe. It was just giving an example during tribe. This just past Wednesday. She said since that time, things have just been going on well for her. She broke that sacrifice with her giving. Now, guess what other thing she said? That you, if you didn't really sink it in. She said that the person that has been blocking her promotion was the same person that started speaking for her. The Bible says when the way of a man pleases the God, even his enemy will be at peace with him. So, that is how, how she broke her sacrifice. Please, bring up the second video. My name is Amaka Amadi. I'm giving this testimony on behalf of my family. After my first child, I had a series of miscarriages. I was told later that my service had been damaged and I can't um, have a child again. About the same time, church called for an Ebenezer program. Ebenezer is a program for people believing God for the fruit of the womb. I went with my husband. Shortly after the program, I took in. And on the 5th of January, 2013, I had um, my baby. I said, noticing that the child was, throughout the day, the child would not assume a color. It would turn blue, turn red, turn, you know, and was not eating, losing weight, and was very, her hair was very scanty, and a lot of things. And I, t I took her back to the hospital, and after examining her, they told me the most devastating news of my life. They said, that my baby was born with a hole in the heart. I went home to tell my husband. And when I told him, I thought he would console me. He just looked at me and warned me sternly not to say that again about his daughter. My husband said to me that if God that created uh, his daughter, peradventure, forgot to close the heart, let's remind him that he would do it. And we had savings in our account. 
and I thought that we had been saving because we rarely discuss it in the house. I thought my husband had been, you know, somehow saving for the surgery. He called me and said, I want you to give me my consent to, to use this, um, to sow this seed for PTL, um, for the land that the church was acquiring. And at first, I didn't find it funny. I thought about the surgery, thought about the urgency of the surgery, thought about everything. And, you know, he told me, if we are believing God for the, that there won't be rain, why, why, why do we need an umbrella? And I thought about it and I said, okay. I gave my consent and he sold the money. As of January, he didn't have anything. We booked an appointment with this cardiologist in the UK and she came down to Nigeria to see us. And she started examining her. Something happened. I noticed she asked for the lights to be turned off. Later, she asked for the lights to be turn, turned on. She was just turning up and on the light. And she was pacing up and down the room. I've never seen her in such a manner. She was pacing up and down. She'd come back, she'd clean her glasses, she'd look at the ultrasound again. I just knew something was up. And at that point, my faith just failed me, you know. And she just grabbed me and said, Mr. Madi, I can't find a hole in the heart anymore. She said, I can't explain it, but this girl does not need medical intervention again. No drugs, no surgery, no exercise plan, no diet plan, no medical intervention anymore. I want to prophesy into our lives that this testimony will be permanent in the name of Jesus. I prophesy that God will keep us, God will preserve her, and she'll fear her destiny in the name of Jesus. Keep clapping. Keep clapping, keep clapping. Lato Jotty Motiwa, Niori Rualon, you share one more slide. I didn't do that in the first service before I leave. There's power in this house. Over a month and a half ago, what I'm going to share with you scared me. I 
kept me awake for several nights. And I had to go talk to pastor eventually with it. Pastor told my wife to go pray for somebody to, to do a hospital visitation, hospital visitation with a lady. To go to the hospital and just pray for her. And when you're sent on this kind of assignment, um, if I've not been asked to go, then I don't bother to go. She was supposed to have gone to the house, but she couldn't. So she, she was going to go to the hospital. And when she left, it was one of those days, on a, I think it was a Saturday or a Friday. Is it a Saturday or a Friday, public holiday? It was September 1st, I remember very well. It was either a Saturday or a Friday that was a public holiday. And when she left, it was one of those days that I really wanted to gain my steps. So I went into the estate on a street walk. And I was walking for like almost an hour and a half. And there's a song that we used to sing when I was young that I heard folks, my folks sing that says, um, It says that, who says there's no God? But that song came into my mind in a different way. I was just praying for her as she was going. And I felt that she would be, she would be scared as she was going. And I was praying for her and the song that came to my mind, that song came like, there's nothing God cannot do. And I took my phone and I sent her a text. I said, there's nothing God cannot do. At that time, she was maybe 20 minutes to the place and she was praying and she was, she was, um, she was speaking in tongues. It was later on she was telling me that she was praying, she was speaking in tongues. And within two minutes that I sent her the text, I got the response back. She wasn't touching her phone, but I didn't know at that time. Please pick up the slide. My last slide. I got the response back. That's my text. It says, there's nothing God can do. And I got, it, I got that text back. And I was wondering with myself that, what's this woman sending to me? So, I just, I just let it be. She didn't come back home until two or three hours later. And then... We came to church and we go home. And I said, what text did you send to me? And she said, what text? And she opened her phone. And she saw that on her phone as a response to me. We searched through her phone. We didn't see that image on, her, on, on, on the picture on her phone. That image wasn't present. And for, for weeks, our pastor wasn't around. I was scared. And you know what I was scared? I was thinking about what could this mean? I thought it means hellfire. That, does that mean you know, I mean, that's a fire. But when, I, when, we, when we went to meet the pastor, he said it's light in the darkness. So for me, God, and pastor said, what's, what's, what's new? God, is, God can talk through other things. Why can't he talk through electronics? We went through a phone. That image is not there. And I've been searching. If anybody has that image as a picture on your phone, please let me know. Have you seen so there's power in the house because pastor sent her a message and that, I mean, for, it bothered me. I've seen God works. I've seen a lot of things. I've seen testimony, but this bothered me. So what am I getting at this morning? God has spoken. He has stretched out his hand. He will not pull it back. We have the PTL as an opportunity. So if we are here this morning, the biggest sacrifice of all time was when Christ dies on the cross of Calvary. That's, that's, that's number one. That's the biggest thing. 
please let's bow our head and close our eyes. If you know that you don't know this God that we're talking about, that you're not, you know, if today this God is to say, I want to call people that are my own home, and you are, you are not sure that your name will be mentioned, you are not sure that you will be part of the rapture, we're not going to ask you to come forward. Please just raise up your hand. Just show me your hand, and I want to pray with you. If you know you want to give your life to Christ, you have to raise it up very well so that I can see. Just raise up your hand. I can see you, sister. God bless you. God bless you. Raise it properly. You get a card. That's all. Raise up your hand. If you know that this Lord God, you can't say is for you as of today. And that I want to meet this Lord Jesus Christ, and I want to be part of this. God bless you. Father, we thank you before this once because Lord, they have acknowledged your presence. Lord, they have taken a decision today. They will not go back in the name of Jesus. Lord, you bless them in the name of Jesus. King of kings, it is well with their soul and spirits. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Praise the Lord.